I want to just uh, have you look at these verses in Psalm 10. And this is interesting. I don't know if I have my pie, my iPad or might draw something here because we're in third grade. Little stick men. Draw a few stick men, okay. Um, there are, here, here's an unsaved, unsaved person. And, and the Lord speaks to the unsaved. Does he? Does he speak to the unsaved? What does he say to them? How does he minister to them? We have in, in Psalm 19 that he talks by the thunderstorm, 1, one through 6. He speaks through the honeybee. They, he, he speaks in the waves of the ocean. He speaks by the stars of the sky. He speaks not a verbal language, but the creation language, the creation that speaks to his heart, because he is a heart, but he's unsaved. He is lost. He, he doesn't know, but he knows he doesn't say it, maybe, or maybe he does. He says, he says God. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. God speaks to him in creation. But he also speaks by, by words, and that's in our Bible. But in this case, this man doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't listen to the Bible. He doesn't have any preaching. But he has nature and his conscience. And this is what happens many times to lost people. They live on their own and they get into more trouble or more darkness. They live in darkness and they add to their darkness with an attitude and they suppress the truth. They suppress it. So this is chapter 10. Verse 3, for the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. So he is uh, boasting in rich people and people that are greedy and get what they want and can be manipulative, controlling, and those are, they become like their heroes. They're actually celebrities that are recognized by this uh, fallen nature of man, and they, they promote, they love, they greed, the ungodliness, they go in that direction. So this is chapter 3 and then 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Uh, so you have this um, uh, Romans 1, this um, from 19 down through to the end of the chapter, is it 32, I think, or 31. You have a slide, a downhill slide for... Uh, he is, he, let's say, he's 16 years old when he starts out. But then he, as he lives, he's now, let's say, 42 years old, just making up. If 40, he has changed. 
his uh, sin is affecting him. Now there is something really twisted and really wrong. It becomes evident and obvious in time. And God is not in all his thoughts. He doesn't think about God. He is not interested in God. He's really, and, and in life, they sometimes prosper very much. This is Psalm 73. The wicked prosper very much. But they don't know that they are standing on a, a slippery ground. They don't realize how bad it can be and where it goes. And to think he lives his whole life without God, without a message, but his own heart and his friends and his way of life, and the Lord turning him over to uh, perversion. It turns him over to uh, uh, something that wasn't started when he was 16 years old. But he now has something in his heart and mind that is a pattern of thought, a pattern of living, an arrogance that is developed, a way of thinking that is really hard, without mercy, without compassion, without caring for the poor, without caring for his neighbor, without, without, it's, it's amazing. So this is a very important text for you to understand. And when we see it in our society, we say, how did this happen? Where did it come from? Why are we calling evil good? Why do we call evil good? Why are bad people being promoted? Why do we vote in politicians and leaders that are wrong in their hearts, in their love, in their compassion and truthfulness? Why do we vote in? Why are we embracing? Why are we with the celebrities that are wicked and evil? Why? Why do we do that as a, as a nation? Well, this is the answer, I believe, that it's in the hearts of people. People love to have it so. There's a verse in Jeremiah 5.32. No, Mesa, let me think, wait a minute. Yes, 5.32. Let's we'll, we'll just put that up on the screen. <clears throat> I want to speak the good side of this message, 31, Jeremiah 5.31. The prophets prophesy falsely. They're lying. They're lying. And they and the bear priests bear rule by their means. They bear rule by their manipulations, by their bribes, by the paying off a friend, or by their means they rule. And do you know do you know that biblically during the time of Jesus, do you know who should have been the high priest? Very possibly, I heard this by the way, this is the Day of Atonement in Israel. I believe it starts tonight at sundown. The day starts at night in the Israeli calendar and in our Bible. The first day is night, so Sabbath, but the Day of Atonement is actually tomorrow, but it starts tonight. And that's cool. 
Day of Atonement. Do you know who the priest should have been that entered in to serve at the at the um, in the time when Jesus was on the earth? Is John the Baptist? But where was John the Baptist? He was out in the wilderness. He could have been the high priest, but because of politics, he wasn't. Because the priests bear rule by their means. They get what they want. They pay for it. They bribe. They're not humble. They're not relying on God. They're not worshipers of God. So look at verse 31, Jeremiah 5, 31. Prophets prophesy falsely. Priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. We, we love to have the wicked rule over we love to have them. We love to have it so. They prophesy falsely. Yeah, we love it. We fill our world with that. This cannot be. This, is, this picture up here has to change. And it did for you and I. Here, here I am unsaved. I have my heart. God gives me a new heart. This is a new heart he gives you. He gives you a new heart. He gives you. Why did he give you a new one? Because the old one, he couldn't fix it. He couldn't fix your old heart. No, he didn't fix it. He, he crucified it and gave you a new heart. That's what you have in your heart. You have a new heart. Now, how does this change? This is now the same thing, Psalm 19. Uh Verses 1 to 6. I was in chemistry class in college. I had gotten saved. And I saw like this in this orange chemical change to green color, you know. And I'm thinking, whoa, like, who did that? And then they explain how it happens, you know, on a chalkboard, the chemical reaction and the language, the human beings put a language to these phenomena and describe why and how it happened. And I'm like worshiping God in my heart. They don't believe in God. I, I think that's crazy. I don't care what they think or what they... I, I see God in the honeybee, the oak tree. We see God in the thunderstorm. We see God in the waves of the ocean. It opens our heart up to worship. And in our worship, then, we have the second part of the psalm, is 19.7 through to the end of the psalm, is it 14 maybe? And this is the word, the word. And that's our subject today, is the word, the word, the word that feeds you because your new heart this one your your new heart this one right here this new heart loves the word it hears it it brings it, it brings light to the simple I want to describe I have a definition for that word simple it's in Psalm 119. 130, verse 130, gives understanding to the simple. And that's a beautiful word. 
Okay, so um, we, we really know that in our church, new believers have a great need to get the foundation to start reading their Bible and talk about it and listen to it, be taught the Bible, love each other, relate to each other. So we, we have started again our new believers um, or new newcomers, not new believers, but newcomers, people coming in to our church. So I asked Pastor Roger Robbins to head that up. Uh, so we're starting that up again. So he's going to come up and share something with you right now. Lord, we thank you for the church at large. I prayed last night for the Hungarian churches, also uh, the Russian churches, Sikon coming up, for Don and Lori Barnes and their work and their ministry pastor's retreat the ladies that go go back home and carry with them the joy the wisdom, the learning learning from your spirit in these days how much we need it in our family in our church, in our fellowship in our friends thank you Lord for the ministry of your word in these days and for our country, turn our country, Lord. Turn our country. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Okay, we have the fundamental idea that I want to share with you turn to Psalm 19 here's the picture Uh here we go Um, I'm in my house this was from yesterday, my house, like this. Because I put an addition on my house, it goes like this. <laughs> okay, um, here's the door, and Jesus is, is at the door. He's at the door. I'm in my house, my, my, my heart, my world, and and... We read here in Psalm 19, in the first six verses, we have nature that speaks to me about God. Every day, every day, he is speaking. Verse 3, but the speech is without language. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. They have a voice, but... Yes, every language in the world, they can hear it. They, they hear the, the nature speaking about God. God, I believe in God. 
But who is he? Who is he? Does he love me? Does he care? He's at the door, imagine. He's at the door of my my heart or my life. But there are people that will not get out of their house or go to the door. There are people that will will not. Uh, there are people that uh, that are consumed with themselves. They are they are people that lack the right judgment. They don't believe it's important. They will put it off. Put it off. Maybe, maybe they put it off their whole life. But God is speaking to them. And when he knocks at the door, um, I have a decision to make. Do I go to the door? Do I welcome him? Do I hear him? Do I care? Do I care? So verse 7, it says here, this word simple. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So this is the word of God. And it's enough. Perfect. It is, uh, it is altogether uh, capable. It is able to convert the soul. It is able to change me. It's able to... Uh, um, it's sufficient. It has this authority. But I don't hear it. I don't hear the word, or I don't hear the knock on the door, or if I hear the knock, I ignore it, or I don't really pay attention. So here we have verse 7. The word, or the law of the Lord, these are, these are synonyms for the same thing. There's six of them in this text converting the soul and when we think of converting the soul we actually are thinking of that new heart that new heart that new capability the believing I believe to believe this is Colossians 2 7 where we not only believe once but we continue to believe we begin to calculate in faith. We actually have God in our everyday life, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, as young teenager to old uh, elderly people. We are believing. We, are, we have a, a soul that has been changed. Verse 7, it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, It's guaranteed. There's no question about it. This authority of the word. So at the door, we have here authority. It really has the, the, it really is real. It really has authority. And look at the, what it does. It says, makes wise the simple. Now this word simple is in the Hebrew, not merely one who lacks intellectual ability. Maybe that's how I would think of it, a simple person. That's how we use it in English. He is simple or, you know, 
not complicated and also maybe intellectually deficient, but it isn't that. He could be very intelligent, but he lacks sound judgment. He is prone to making mistakes and is easily led astray. But he could be very intelligent, but it's easy to mislead him. And also when it comes to judgments, he can't make sound judgments. Do we see that? Yeah. So how does this work? It's an attitude. It begins with an attitude. Help me, Lord. I can make, I can mess it up. I am prone to making mistakes. Help me, Lord. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. What a word, Proverbs 3, 5. With all my heart. So there's a knock at the door. And there are many reasons for me to stay on the couch. And we said yesterday in John 11 that there were two sisters, Martha, who ran out to meet Jesus at the edge of town when she's heard that he had come and her brother had died. Four days had passed. And he's at the edge of town and she runs out, Martha, and they talk, and then she goes back to get Mary because Mary stayed sitting in the house. And I think that's understandable. I don't want to see anybody right now. I'm so sad. My brother is dead. It's so understandable when we sit in the house and, and maybe get stuck. It's so easy for us because we're simple we don't make sound judgment. We are emotional. We are upset. We are depressed. As a pastor, through the years, I've met people who stay in their house for months. They, they, don't, they don't go out literally, but I think there can be sometimes a spiritual issue in that. They don't want to see people. They don't want to be engaged with something they're not in control of. They, they want to live in their emotion, and they want to stay there. But because we have God, and we have him at the door, and he has words, then we have what we need. So when Martha came and got Mary and said, the master calls for you, it doesn't say that he did say that. But maybe she made it up. He wants to see you. He wants to see you. It was like a personal invitation. He wants to see you. So come on, let's go. They went out to see. When, when Martha met Jesus, there's a difference between meeting Martha and meeting Mary. When he met Martha, um, he said, I am the resurrection and the dead. She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, I am the resurrection. I know that in the latter day he will be raised. Then, then there was that talk. When, when Mary came, she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then he wept. 
He didn't quote the doctrine. He wept with her. And he said, where have you laid him? And then it says, Jesus wept. So you have two parts of Jesus' ministry. One is the doctrine, and the other one is the tears. One is the teaching, and the other one is the spirit of the teaching, the love, the identification. So the one that's knocking at the door of our hearts is the one that we should readily welcome all the time. He's at the door. So we read that in Song of Solomon 5, that he's at the door. And she gives an excuse. I put my pajamas on. I washed my feet. I'm now in bed. I don't really want to get out of bed. I'm comfortable here. But after some delay, she realizes I need to go to the door. And when she gets there, the door smells like myrrh. It's like a very sweet fragrance, like um, just um, if you smell it someday. It's like very, very, very strong. And uh, her fingers drop with myrrh, and the door handle has this on it. And, And then she opens, and he's gone. But in a way, he's not gone. He's gone, like I can't put my hands on him, but I know him. I know him. I, I can. I know him. I know he's here. I know him. That kind of relationship is something that you and I develop. It's not instantaneous. It's something that develops by those two things that we see at the edge of town. The two things we see at the edge of town is the doctrine and the weeping. I mean, he came to the tomb and he wept, but my, my, I can't say that at the edge of town he was weeping. We don't know that, but we understand that it could be inferred. He is heartbroken for the sorrow of the family, for the reality of the death. And by the way, death, the modern world, Timothy Keller brings this out, and, and it's very interesting. He said, in the ancient world, the ancient world, they had the Stoics, and they also had the uh, understanding that death wasn't the end. Death is, no one knows what comes after death. But it, it, the, the modern world is saying to us, the, the modern world is saying that um, death is the end, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. And it's only natural and normal there'd be death, like an animal dies, and it's the end. But he said the Christian is different. The Christian says, death, you're my enemy. It should not be, but you are my enemy. And death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? We don't accept it. We, we, we resent it. We disagree with it. We say it's not normal. It shouldn't happen. We don't, we don't believe that this is why we've been made. We haven't been made to die. We've been made to live. How do I know this? The Bible, the Word, which is our, our subject now. 
we'll go there for our closing part here. And this is Second um, Peter 1. And this will be a simple review teaching on the scripture here. Verse chapter, Second Peter 1, verse 19. We have a voice, a voice at the Mount of Transfiguration. There was a voice there in verse 18. Remember when Peter was on the Mount? That's the context. And a voice from heaven came to them and said, This is my son, hear him. This is my beloved son, hear him. At the water baptism, a voice from heaven came. This is my beloved son, um, in whom I am well pleased. Now, now this is my beloved son, and, and hear him. And here we have a, an amazing verse in verse 19. We have a more sure word of prophecy. A more sure word than a voice at the Mount Transfiguration. We have the Bible itself. It's a sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. It doesn't diminish the voice in Mount Transfiguration. It doesn't diminish that. It is only saying we have Abraham, we have Moses, we have David and Solomon. We have, we have the written word. And God gave us that to teach our children. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. He gave us that to meditate on day and night. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 8. I kind of adopted it from the ministry. I think we all have to have a good, uh, a good mind and heart toward hearing what is being said and listening as we read the word. Because what will it do? Verse 19. You do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. And that dark place is the simple Man that is prone to mistakes and being misled. The simple man who, in a sense, has darkness in his heart. But this word is a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The day dawning, it, it seems to me, that it is the resurrection morning. It's to the end of my life. And even then, the word is forever established in heaven in Psalm 119.89. The day star rising in our hearts. The day star is the planet Venus. In the morning, at five in the morning, four in the morning, sometimes you can look, look up in the sky and there's Venus it's like the first star. It might be the only star. It's actually a planet. It's not a star. It's a planet shining early in the morning. And this 
is like the word in a dark place shining in your heart. When people are talking in a strange way in the universities and in the political circles. And I read that in the woke world, you know, this woke ideology, in the whole world there's only like 18% of the countries in the world are following that ideology. What about all the other countries? They are not accepting it. They're not believing it. But they, the United States, we, they want us to believe that is accepted as sensible, reasonable human rights and all this. But this is a dark place. And, and we must have something to anchor our soul and speak to us in this dark time. Verse 20. Knowing this verse, that's no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. So we have another word here. that We have the word and we have the danger of a private interpretation of the word. What does that mean? There's, the, there's a phrase, there's a word used for that. There's um, proof texting. Proof texting. So I can believe in something. I can believe in some lie and go to the Bible and find Bible verses to reinforce the lie. This is called proof texting. I'm proving by using a text. I'm talking, let's say, about homosexuality or something. I don't know what it, where you could find it, but somebody was probably busy doing that. I think I have. I could talk about it, but I won't. Okay. What is proof texting? It's I take what I want to believe, what I hear, itching ears, First Timothy 4, and they will not endure, in the end times, they will not endure sound teaching. Why won't they handle sound teaching? Why can't we be rebuked? There's another verse right here, Hebrews 13, 22. It says, suffer exhortation like endure it when you when when something is taught and you don't you have an opinion about it but you, the word contradicts your opinion then be humble and be submitted and hear what the holy spirit says to you not what i say but what the holy spirit when when he knocks on the door and he comes into your house and jesus is in your house you are respecting him. You are worshiping him. You are submitted to his word. And by the way, when Jesus, um, when Jesus spoke, sometimes he referred to something a thousand years before the time of David. I'll put here David. When, um, when he spoke... Uh, 15, he referred to Moses, 1500 uh, B.C. He, he, he expected them to know what David said or what David did. He expected them to know the law. He expected them to know that. It's the same today for us, that Jesus would come into our house. He would expect us to know 
what does the law say? It's not like it changes with the culture. We say, oh, we're in the 21st century. We're talking about God and truth and our hearts and humility and worship and respect and what we believe. And he, he didn't say to these people, nor did he say that uh, I understand that you cannot under- read the Bible and you cannot understand the teaching of the Bible. I understand that. No, he didn't. He expected them to know it and was even amazed how ignorant they were. Let's look at, flip over to Matthew 20. <clears throat> um, I'm sorry, Matthew uh, 12. I'm going to finish here in a minute. Chapter 12, verse 3. But he said unto them, these are the Pharisees, Have you not read what David did? Well, when did David live? A thousand years earlier. Haven't you read what he did? Haven't you read what Moses did? Haven't you read what Elijah did and Noah? Haven't you read? Don't you know the word? Haven't you? Isn't it in your heart? Don't you meditate on it day and night? Don't you understand it is the, it's the morning star that will govern and guide you in darkness? It rises in your heart. It's the governance for your life. You are a simple man. What do you mean I'm a simple man? You make mistakes. You misjudge. You're easily led astray. Yes, Lord, I am. Yes, Lord, I am. How could I live now? Meditate on my word. Hear what I say. Embrace it as a way of life. Read it. Meditate. Read it. Store it in your heart. Memorize it. Relate to it. It will teach you. Proverbs 6.22 When you walk along the way, it will speak to you. When you go to sleep at night, it will keep you. When you wake up in the morning, it will greet you. It will speak to you. For this is the way of life for us. Verse 23. Way of instruction is a way of life. It will keep you from the evil woman. Proverbs 7.7 7. Proverbs 8, 5, it'll govern your life. Proverbs 1, verse 4, it'll result in your prosperity and your blessing. Yeah, so go to verse chapter 12, verse 3. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and they that were with him? Then he tells the story. Verse 4, then verse 5, or have you not read in the law? Verse 7, but, had, but if you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. What is he saying in these three verses? 3, 5, and 7. He is saying, if you knew the word with the Holy Spirit in your new heart, instead of, like the wicked, they increase in the darkness, we are increasing in the light. And the light of the righteous gets brighter and brighter under the perfect day. Proverbs 4, 
and verse 16, or is it 18? We get brighter and brighter under the perfect day, and that's our, our blessing and our hope. And that's our message this morning. Amen. You're great. God bless you. So you're going to drive to now? About like eight. So these four ladies. Boy, that would be fun riding in that car. <laughs> Fellowship. They're driving to Greenfield, Indiana today. So keep them in prayers for that. Yeah. So pray with me. Lord, there's the old landmarks that are not removed. It says, remove not the old landmark. And in one sense, this is how we live. We have the word as the primary reference for our lives. It's the old landmark that's not moved. And we don't remove it. We don't privately interpret it to mean what we want it to say. You could go in this country and go find a church where you believe in virtually anything. The tree is a god. Anything. Bird. Anything. Baptizing dogs. Really, there's churches that will baptize a person and even baptize animals. Yeah, to, to just, that's how they minister in their community. That's how they think about it and what they do. There are others that we can, even, we don't even care about mentioning. It's only, it's, and you can, they could find verses in the Bible to proof text what they believe. But, but you are the one that gives us your Holy Spirit witness and the fruit of your spirit is love and you are the real God and we fear you and respect you and trust you. Forgive us, Lord. Lead us and fill us with your Holy Spirit all the time. Thank you for this house of worship. This fellowship in Jesus' name. If you're not a believer, come to Jesus today. Come as you are. Come. Come. Just now, come. And put your trust in Jesus Christ personally. Walk by faith in him and listen to him and pray to him and trust in him. He loves you. Amen.